Brandon Powell joins the show to talk about life, his journey to the NFL, and what it was like to win a Super Bowl here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and hey, let's find some joy today. You can find the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is a regular audio listening podcast app like SiriusXM, which we are partnered with, or YouTube, or even Amazon, Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today's episode is brought to you by... LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today on the show, I have a very special guest. It's Brandon Powell of the Minnesota Vikings gunning for that punt return job, a spot on the wide receiver roster. Uh, been in the league for, I think, six years now or six teams. I think it's over a couple of years. Uh, a couple fewer years, but we'll talk to him about all of that. Very excited to get into that uh, discussion. We'll also go over Ryan Wright's entry in the Everyman series later. The Vikings do report to camp on Monday. The rookies reported on Sunday, and uh, the Vikings report today as you're listening to this, but I'm recording this Sunday, so I don't know any of that. But here's what you need to look out for. Uh, the the pup lists and stuff, injury lists and all that. Uh, we'll find out who is on NFI, who's on pup, all, all, all of that stuff. Some of that can be really minor. That can just be, hey, you know, they're not quite ready for the first couple days. Sometimes it can mean something more, and we usually don't get any clarity either way. So you'll have to be patient with that, but something to keep an eye out on Monday, and we'll go over whatever we have to on tomorrow's show. But for now, let's talk to Minnesota Viking Brandon Powell. All right, everybody, super excited to be here with Vikings wide receiver and punt return hopeful. Uh, Brandon Powell, I know that's a, a stacked competition there. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks so much for coming on. I see you got your, your Florida Gator stuff going. Yeah. Uh, did you grow up around Florida? Um, uh, yeah, I'm from Florida, South Florida, Deerfield Beach. Live, okay. I live in Miami. Deerfield Beach. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, so... One of the first questions I'll always ask a, a player when I have him on is, when did you first pick up a football? I want to start at the very beginning. For some people, it's, I don't even remember. I was so young. For some people, they didn't get into it till sophomore year. When did you first pick up a football and like really fall in love with the sport? Uh, it was started when I was probably like, when I was a little baby. I grew up in the house with my grandma, my older brother, my cousin. And, you know, they play football. They're six years older than me. Uh, yeah, about five, six years older. So I was, you know, they used to get play on their knees because they were bigger than me. And I used to just try to run them over at five years old. And then I started. How'd that playing. go? <laughs> uh, yeah, it didn't go too good. It was a lot of knots on my head and everything from playing football sure. in the house. But I started playing tackle football at six years old. And ever since then, it was it just went off from there. And you were a running back for most of high school and but uh, until you got into college right yeah. you were pretty highly highly ranked in florida as a running back yeah i was uh actually the crazy thing is is uh dalvin cook he was one of the the top running backs down in south florida and you know going to the the super eight you know in south florida it was dalvin cook uh his 
his teammate Joseph Yearby, Sony Michelle. You know, we were the top guys in South Florida. So, you know, it was I loved running back. That was my position. You know, I wish I could play it now in the NFL, but you know, at five eight, hundred and eighty pounds is that's kind of tough playing a full season playing running back. So you know what the difference is getting it's it the the line is blurring a little bit with all the jet sweep stuff that people are doing and bubble screens or whatever. Like it's there's something to it. But I guess that was my my question. What did precipitate that move to wide receiver? Was it just the the size you kind of ended up at once you were in college? Uh it was actually much champ. I was actually a running back at Florida my freshman year. And, you know, Muschamp, that was the his last year coach in Florida. And we played a bowl game, actually. And he told me that whole, you know, the bowl preparation, we got like two weeks. He was getting everybody ready for the next year. And he told me, you know, McElwain was coming in, Alabama coach. He knew I wasn't going to play running back for him. And he actually mm-hmm. put me at receiver. And that's just, you know, I, me being a football player, is just, you know, as long as I can touch the ball, make something happen and turn into a running back. So that's when I really started playing receiver. It was much champ giving me that, that opportunity to play in that bowl game. Um, I want to also talk a little bit about punt returning. Maybe your answer to this next question is in uh, the world of special teams, but I want to ask you, there's something that I always steal from Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah. I don't know how familiar you are with them, but whenever they get to talk to, players especially when they talk to like draft prospect they have their three h's the highlight a hero and a hardship so i want to do that with you um and i guess we'll start with a highlight tell me about a play that you're really proud of from anywhere in your career the crazy thing is it's the day after christmas playing minnesota in la i figured it was gonna be that (laughs) that was my because i was i got i had a punt return touchdown my was my rookie year in detroit played in tampa back home in front of my family you know that was that was crazy to do in that preseason, but it was nothing like in an actual game. Sure. And it was actually against the Vikings. So, I mean, I don't want to talk too much as now I'm with the Vikings, but I plan on <laughs> Go on. ahead. I was at that game. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah it was, you know, it was that was a big moment for me, you know, getting that touchdown and now being in with the Minnesota Vikings, having a chance to go compete to beat a punt returner. It's like, you know, why not score more touchdowns? Yeah in that stadium on it being a punt returner. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. There's a bunch of great quote, um, uh, Kenny Wongu who about kick returns and how much like impact special teams can have. And, and that particular play is one of those. Cause that was the end of 2021. And that was the dagger in a game. That was the dagger in a season. That was the dagger in an eight year coaching career. Yeah. Like that was like the moment that it like yeah. all finished. I, don't know, I, I think that's something that you can put in your trophy case. Uh, yeah. um, what about a hero? Somebody that you look up to that you've taken a lot from? Uh, me, I'm kind of like a, I kind of take it, you know, notes from everybody. I'm, I mean, I played on what six teams in six years, so it's like, you know, I kind of just take you know notes from every team, every player that I've been around. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, you know, um, Danny Amendola, uh, Cooper Cup, Odell. You know, it's now with Justin Jefferson and seeing him for the short time and, you know, OTAs, it's like, man, it's just, I'd look up to all the guys that, you know, we all play man, you know, we all watch football and it's like the superstars are, are the guys on the team. So it's like, I, all those guys that I've played with in the past and now being with Justin Jefferson, it's just, 
I'm looking forward to learning from those guys, watching them work. And that's kind of that's how I elevate my game, just trying to be around great players. And I really don't have a hero besides, you know, my dad. Next up, there is a hardship and whatever you're comfortable with, uh, if it's something more personal or whatever, whatever you feel like talking about. But I feel like one of the best ways to get to know somebody is learning what they've overcome. Yeah. Uh, So I'll say probably what it was year, the Super Bowl of the year before scoring a touchdown against the Vikings. It was I was cut from the Buffalo Bills, you know, at the training camp and went to the Dolphins for three weeks. And got cut from them, and I was actually home for a month. You know, I was actually contemplating retiring from football. You know, sitting home for that long, not getting a call. You know, that was here going into year four. You know, the league expectancy is three years, and being a guy that's five eight, undrafted. You know, journeyman trying to be a special team and to play on the team. It was that was probably the, the hardest time. You know, of my career, of my life, being you know home for a month, not having a job, and I'll say I, ever since then, it's like, you know, never take anything for granted because, you know, it can be taken from you so quick. So it's like always work hard. And, you know, it was a Super Bowl champion at the end of that year after being home for a month. So, you know, I just look at, I think about that every time, you know, just, you know, you can be home. They can send you home. It can be taken away from you. So that's probably one of the hardest moments, you know, of my career. Yeah, that makes sense. That's something that a, lo- a lot of players go through, and I think a lot more often than not, they don't. Their phone doesn't ring, and that's just kind of it. And they got to figure out whatever their next chapter it's is. Worst, it's the worst time, man. Especially being, you know, you love football. Being a young guy, you want to play. It's like, man, that was that was tough to go through that. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I want to talk to Brandon Powell about, but first, let me talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode, which is LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster, and for free. Hiring can be a total nightmare. There's a million resumes. You'll never get to them all. How do you narrow down a whole bunch of applicants into what is right for your company and your culture? It's all very unique and and specific to you. So if that is something that you are tasked with, go to LinkedIn Jobs right now and you can post your job for free and use all of their simple tools like screening questions, etc., to narrow down the applicants into something that is actually like a useful group of people for you to look at and you can move forward from there. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. It's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I have to imagine you've been through some fairly nerve wracking cut down days oh. like in, in late August. I mean, me really every year. It's like I don't. I mean, being yeah, you go undrafted, you know, sitting through those three days of the draft, watching, and it's like you don't hear your name called, but you know you get the opportunity to go show yourself, prove yourself. It's like that's nothing compared to cut days because you you never know. You know, everybody's out there competing in camp. Everybody's trying to get a job. It's a lot of great dudes, even the young dudes. They come in, they're talented. So it's like, man, cut days for me. I I kind of turn my phone off and just you know get away. And if my phone, I literally block out my dad, my grandma, everybody don't call me that day. <laughs> if my phone rings that day, that's mean it's not a good day. So yeah, cut days are, I kind of try to relax on cut days. Yeah. I got to imagine everybody knows like, don't call <laughs> cut down day. You we know, will talk tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, everybody, you know, they trying to know, they trying to figure out my dad's texting me. Oh, this sure. player got cut from this team. It's like, man, I don't want to hear that. Like, yeah. Let's just get to this, get over, get through this day, and then you can call me and we can talk. So 
So when you have to get away, what do you do with your time? When you when you just have to get your mind off it. Uh, me being in Minnesota now, I can go fishing. You know, nice. Been, yeah, the other places I've been, L.A. You know, it's you know you go out in the mountains. You know, go for a sure. walk. You try to. It's a lot. Of, like you just try to do stuff just to you know leave your phone in the car, but you can't leave it because just in case a team calls. So you know, Minnesota. I plan on being fishing all day. You know, don't call me unless you're trying to come fishing. So. That's what I plan I on the relax this year. I love that. I wanted to talk to you about your experience with Kevin O'Connell. Obviously, you were with him with the Rams in the Super Bowl year. And then um, you've reunited with him here in Minnesota. Was that part of the decision to come to Minnesota? Or how did that kind of manifest itself? Oh, uh, yeah, it was actually that was a no brainer. I mean, it was actually to go back to L.A., you know, across the world from Florida. And it was like, you can go out there and deal with those taxes. Coach McVay, I love him, Coach McVay. That's cool dude. You can go talk to him about anything, crack jokes on him. And he's, you know, he's always going to be the same dude. And it was like being in when KO was there in L.A., he was actually, you know, I was on scout team all the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. he used to give me routes to run and everything. And it was, you know, that's kind of where the relationship started. And then going to Minnesota, him being the head coach, it was like a no-brainer. When they called to say, you know, you could be a possibly be a Minnesota Viking, it was like a no brainer because he's a cool dude. You know, he keeps it honest with you, young coach. So he played the game before, so he knows how mm-hmm. it is. And it was that was an easy decision to make. And when you were in Los Angeles, obviously that was a, a special year for the Rams. You got to experience something that Vikings and Vikings fans have been longing for, for, for quite a while. Tell me a little bit about what that was like at SoFi stadium in front of a home crowd and yeah. of, of all things. I mean, being able was, to still to this day, man, you can't believe it. Like it's, you still think about it. Like I haven't even watched the game yet on TV because it's like, man, really? it's, it doesn't even compare when you see like videos of it on Twitter or you watching like little highlights, somebody say something about it. It's like, man, you had to be there, like being on that field in SoFi stadium brand new stadium in la you play for la all your fans are there so it's like it felt like a home game and it was like you really can't explain it like i mean you heard like all the veteran players were saying like leading up to the week like man don't get too high on yourself don't don't get too excited because it's like the feeling that you're going to feel once the game starts is you won't even be able to explain it it's like you're so focused it's like it's crazy. You block out everything. It's literally like that day was literally like a, a full, any football player. I, I hope everybody can experience going to a Super Bowl because it's like the ultimate goal of being a football player since you're a little kid to being in the NFL. It's like you want to go to the Super Bowl and then win it. Was, I didn't sleep for two days after that. Like I was up for <laughs> two days. Didn't two days. Sleep. Two straight days, I did. I could not go to sleep because it was like, man, we just won a Super Bowl. Like the yeah. Super Bowl, you won a Super Bowl. It was crazy. It, it, like you could run into like Joe Montana on the street and have something in common with him, even though we played forty years ago. Like that's <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah, and there's some players, some Hall of Famers that you know don't even have a Super Bowl ring. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's even crazy. It's like you're in a, you're in a company that's like top in the world. There. Everybody wants to make it to the NFL, but to get that Super Bowl, it's like you're the best team like in the world. So it's like, yeah, that's crazy. 
And the journey that you took to get there, for those who don't know, this, I mean, this is insane. You get undrafted, Detroit, you're there for a year. And then you go through Atlanta, where you were on the active roster for a little bit. And then Buffalo and Miami, but only practice squad. Mm -hmm. And then you get to LA, and now you're here. Exactly. So it was like, man, it's been moving around a lot. It's, It's wild. Yeah, tell me a little bit about just the the life of I am just maybe I'm going to move every single year of my life and all that, all that bouncing around the country and the experience that comes with that. I mean, that's something people don't like realize. Like, you know, they just look at, you know, you play football, like you're on a team. Like you should be, you'd be happy you're on a team. But it's like, I live in Florida. I can never, like what, off season is like four months, but, but you really only get really like two months of off season. Mm-hmm. So it's like you got to, come home you can't unpack your bag because you got to go back to minnesota or la wherever it was it's like you're just constantly moving always moving and it's like man that's hopefully i can play good enough in minnesota where i can stick on a team for you know two three years so i don't have to move you know right now i'm packing up my whole house to get ready to move and it's like that stuff is six years of that is it's getting tired like it's it's draining (laughs) I, I bet it, it's that's a hard way to carve out a career in the NFL, but yeah, hopefully you can stick somewhere a little bit more. I mean, in a sense, you kind of have with LA and you're just, you just followed a coach, right? Yeah. Basically like I was there for two years, a year and a half and you know, Kevin KO, he know, he knows me. He was in LA. So it's kind of, it feels like home when I got there, you know, same offense, you know, some of the words mm-hmm. were different, but it's like, it's literally the same as being in LA as far as football. So and the, the fans in Minnesota are crazy. Like, I, I remember playing there a couple of times. I stayed in and be rocking. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. It'd be fun to be on the right end of that, right? Oh, yeah. Hopefully we can burn oh. the Super Bowl there. And I know that's going to be that's going to be crazy. The first one. <laughs> yeah, that'll yeah. be wild. That will be that that state will break in half. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> I want to pick your brain a little bit because I don't think we know enough about special teams and you're a great person to ask stuff about special teams. So when, when, when I watch a punt, I am just kind of watching the returner and that's all I really get out of it, especially on TV. What is something that I can look for on a punt that will, will expand my understanding of what's exactly, what exactly is going on? Cause it's an 11 man thing, but I feel Mm -hmm. like we only pay attention to the one sometimes. Exactly. See me, I call it like, I say it's the 12 guys. Besides not including me, you know, it'll be 13, but you go, you start with the coaches, you know, coach hats, a great, a great coach. And then it's, you know, you got the players. I, me and meetings, I'm with the players because if they don't block, if they're not out there, you know, I can't do anything. So it's like, you want to build a relationship with the guys blocking for you. You want them to be able to trust you. And that starts with catching the ball first. If you can't catch the ball, you can't make the right the right cuts. If the coach say left return, you run it right. You know, everything's off. So it's like it starts with the guys blocking. And, you know, Minnesota got a great group of, you know, guys on special teams. And I remember playing against Minnesota. And it's like those guys are, are dogs on special teams. They take it serious. They play hard. And it's like if you're watching fun returns, it's like a returner can't do anything without his blockers, without the 10 guys blocking for him and the coach setting it up. So it's like. The punt return is doing the easy job. Catch the ball. That's what you've been doing all your life. And then run. Turn into a running back. That's how I think about it. You catch the ball, turn into a running back. Get a first down, and we did our job. 
get us past the 50. After you get the first down, the rest is on me. So it's like. Then you're just balling, yeah. It's like 10 yards first. We do If we get 10 yards, all the guys in front of the 10 guys out there, they did their jobs. I, I don't really take any credit for any of that. So if I score a touchdown, then it's, yeah, that's great. Then you, then you made it happen. Them, them 10 yards is, that's really all we're trying to get, get our offense a first down and then get anything closer to the 50 so our field goal team can go out there, kick an easy field goal, our offense can have a short field to work with. That's really the goal of a special team. Before I let you go, there's one question I, I always like to ask people when I have on here. I would love to hear something that you learned recently, uh, something that you feel made you better. Doesn't even have to be an on-field thing. Uh, something I learned, uh, I would say me. I'm a big guy into I'm starting to get into the stock market, you know, learning about oh. finances. And it's like learning about that stuff. You really learn about just patching into the world, everything that's going on out in the world. And it's like, really is, man, it's, it really just teach you to like live life. That's really something I learned. Just enjoy life, live life for what it is. Don't think about what you really want. Because once you start, you know, thinking about what you want, how you want it to be. I mean, that's, that's where people go wrong in my opinion. But think about what it is, what the world really is. And, you know, everything will be fine. That's really how something I learned in the, this offseason from reading all the books that I've been reading. Yeah. You're in a special moment, man. I'm happy for you. Uh, if there's anything you want to shout out right now, anything, uh, your, your Twitter socials, any other adventures you want, uh, everybody who listens to lockdown Vikings to know about now's the time. Uh, I would say the Deerfield Packer rallers, everybody should in South Florida, those kids out there are, there's some grinders. They're going to be a, it's going to be some new superstars. Hopefully they be playing for the Minnesota Vikings in a couple of years. But <laughs> the little league team in my, my city there is some ballers out there. And I'll be posting it actually because I don't really like to use social media during football season. But I'll have a couple of those kids up at the games this year. And everybody will be seeing the little the future ballers that are going to be playing for Minnesota. Eventually. Hopefully <laughs> they do. I hope they do. Yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well, I'm pulling for you. Yeah, for sure. Nah, you hopefully, you know, by September, everything, you know, make it through cut day. Right. Successfully, but no, catch a couple fish. September will be a, <laughs> it'll, start, it'll start a great journey. Get this up. Hopefully catch a couple fish and have no missed calls. Yeah, no missed that's calls. The... <laughs> no calls at all. That's good. On cut day, no yeah. calls at all. That's the goal. No calls. That's what we're rooting for. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving me a, a few minutes of your time. Uh, I'll let you go and get back to whatever it is you're going to do. And you got camp coming up soon here. I appreciate you, man. Moving along with this episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, that was a very cool conversation. Very excited. Uh, anytime we get to have a player on here and we get to talk about him. Um, now, here's the thing. We have a little bit left to do on the Everyman series, and we're going to kind of keep going with it here on Locked On Vikings. Uh, and next up, I want to talk about the punter. Why not? <laughs> it's Ryan Wright. Ryan Wright didn't take like he took a fairly typical path to the NFL for a punter. And and the reason I say that is you don't always choose punting. Sometimes punting chooses you. Uh Ryan Wright went to Tulane, but before that he grew up uh playing just about like every sport. And so he played soccer was one that he played pretty seriously and he was a goalie. 
And when you're a soccer goalie, you do a lot of punting. So he kind of knew he had a leg. And when he got to high school football, he played as a quarterback. Um, but before he was an upperclassman and able to start, you know, they kind of asked, hey, who wants to punt? And he raises his hand. Hey, I've been a goalie, right? I know how to kick a ball far, drop kick a ball far. And so that was kind of where punting started for him. I think it was his sophomore year was when he really got into punting. Uh, and he had a knack for it. So he was able to do that throughout high school. But it was always a secondary thing. He was a quarterback in high school. That was the thing. And his junior year, he starts. They had a very good team that year. And so they he put up a whole bunch of great stats. And he started kind of sniffing around the idea of maybe going to the next level and playing quarterback. Um, it, it was like a, that good of a season. But then a lot of those seniors graduated. And so the next year didn't go as well. And he didn't get the offers that he was really hoping for. The only D1 offer he got was from Tulane. And they wanted him to come punt. So suddenly the secondary thing became the first thing. And he decided to go take that D1 offer and go be a punter at Tulane. When he showed up, though, maybe it was a freshman 15. Maybe it was it was just kind of how he was. He was a little bit thicker. <laughs> he was a, a little bit of a bigger guy. So they immediately dubbed him the fridge. If you talk to anybody who played with him at Tulane, you say, hey, how, you know, did you know Ryan Wright? They say, oh, yeah, the fridge. <laughs> That's what they called him. Uh, obviously, that's a term of endearment. Um, but over time, as a punter there, uh, which is basically all he did, he would start to take his diet a little bit more seriously and his nutrition, as, as we kind of heard a lot in this series, guys that sort of they show up to high school and they're not 16 anymore and they're maybe they're, they shouldn't be eating McDonald's all the time. Uh, and they sort of take it a little bit more seriously and it kind of unlocks this new athleticism. And it, by, by all accounts, that happens with Ryan Wright as well. Um, it's interesting to, to skip forward a little bit. When you think of Ryan Wright, if like think of a Ryan Wright play, first one that comes to your head. I, I have two guesses for what you just thought of. Uh, either the 73-yard boomer in Miami that all but iced that game, big, giant, game-winning punt that just totally ruined their last attempt to get anything, uh, or second to last, or whatever it was, um, or the fake pass in London. Uh, and that fake pass in London had a whole bunch of people from Ryan Wright's past jumping up off of their couches. Uh, Chris Thomason wrote up a great article about it when it happened, but his high school coach was like, oh my God, he's passing. We did that with him. And even his college coach, when he was at Tulane, they would mess around with it a little bit. They would have him, you know, mess around with fake punts and having Ryan Wright do that kind of thing a little bit. So he is, was somebody that was kind of capable of that the week leading up to that London game. He and Jalen Naylor, who the pass was to, practiced it a hundred times, just a million times. Like it's just all they practiced all week. And that when you see those trick plays, typically you go into that game going, We practiced the heck out of this. We're busting it out. Like it's a decision you make, you know, two days ago to do that fake punt. And the coach is kind of just picking the situation. But if you didn't know that about him coming out, you're probably to be forgiven because the thing that you probably knew about him, and hey, I did this too when I covered him as an undrafted free agent coming in. I was like, Hey, we got a thick punter. That's probably what you knew is that it was big. In the last two years of college, which were the pandemic year and then the first year after the pandemic, right, 2020 and 2021, uh, he sort of lost a handle on that diet. He put a whole bunch of the weight back on. But what's nice about it, like as a punter, kind of doesn't, it's okay. Uh, Obviously, you want to be able to run and be in good enough shape to stay healthy and all that. But look, if you put on a few extra pounds, you're not a cornerback, right? (laughs) Like it's every tiny little millisecond of speed is not going to be nearly as, as important as long as you can still kick the thing. And boy, could he. 
Uh, so he could still kick around and that was fine, but it's sort of the kind of thing that gives you a legacy, right? Oh yeah, he was the big two-lane punter. Remember the big, the big thick two-lane punter? There was a, a viral image of him that went around once when the, the camera broadcast camera angle caught him at just the right angle that, that made him look really thick. <laughs> and that's what he was coming into training camp. And I think I, I look at a guy like Jack Podlesny, who we already talked about, uh, or other guys that are coming into training camp without, like, we don't really know them very well, right? Uh, or what Ryan Wright was last year. There was an established veteran in Jordan Berry. Nobody really thought he he was going to, his his job was under serious threat. It was just, oh, you know, we'll have a punter competition, always healthy to bring someone in and make him beat a guy out, right? But But we weren't actually going to keep that guy. And Ryan Wright came in and won that job. In particular, he had a couple of really great punts in the preseason. And uh, Matt Daniels, kind of who, you know, he didn't sign Jordan Berry to begin with. Jordan Berry was already on the roster when Matt Daniels came in as part of the whole O'Connell regime. So you don't have that necessarily that loyalty or anything. Says, hey, this kid's booming it. Let's go with him. Um, and then it was a matter of just figuring out consistency. And that was really his whole thing over all of college, where punting was a relatively new thing to him when he got to college. He'd only been punting for two or three years. Most college players have been doing whatever it is that they're doing since high high school or even before in, in you know, youth leagues or whatever. Um, so for him, it was all about building consistency. He could always kick the ball far, but it's about getting that spiral right and getting that, um, you know, getting the, the ball far every single time, get, removing the shanks, you know, and early in his college career, he had some bad kicks and it's have more space in between those. And I think that's still something that he's figuring out. There's no competition for him uh, in this camp, but as a specialist, there kind of always is something where if you have a bad enough camp, like if Ryan Wright comes out and he just sucks, right? If he just totally falls apart, has the worst camp ever, they're going to cut you and find a free agent. And that's always an option more so than it is for a backup quarterback or somebody who's on the roster bubble at, you know, defensive tackle. Um, that's always just the world that you live in as a punter. So that's, that's where Ryan Wright is at, where there's this slow, steady improvement that he's angling at, but it also lives on this tightrope. Uh, and you, you have to keep consistently improving all the time. And there's no moment to rest on your laurels. It's just the life of a punter. So tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday. Get your questions in. You can leave them in a YouTube comment. You can leave them uh, for me at Luke Brown NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. You can send an email to LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com or you can click on the Google Drive form in the show notes. You can just fill that out if you've got something a little bit longer form. I will answer whatever I can of that tomorrow and maybe talk about news or whatever comes up. And as always, skull.